We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Penguins are faced with a much longer offseason than they wanted. And they've got a lot of ground that they need to cover in various areas to get through this ceiling that suddenly developed over the franchise's head. But more than anything, right now, they just need to be really, really nice to Jeff Carter. Good morning to you. Good Tuesday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Penguins. Comes your way bright and early every weekday morning if you're into football and or baseball. I also offer up Daily Shots of Steelers and Pirates right where you found this. The Penguins had their clean-out day over Memorial Weekend following the six-game first-round loss to the Islanders. And the general consensus among all concerned was that, you know, we kind of played okay. We could have done things better. Wasn't all one person's fault. Wasn't all one person's fault. That must have come from a half dozen different mouths. Well, yeah, actually it was. If the Penguins had even mediocre goaltending against New York, we'd be having an entirely different discussion right now. We'd be talking about Penguins versus Bruins. But they didn't, and so now they have to look ahead. We're going to hear from Ron Hextall and Brian Burke at different points in the coming week, I've been told. I'm looking forward to hearing what they have to say. There's no question Mike Sullivan's going to be back. There's very little question in my mind that you're going to see open support expressed for Evgeny Malkin and Chris Letang as well. There's not going to be some big dramatic thing. This is based on everything that I'm hearing. But, but, they have other challenges that they're going to face. They do have to start thinking about how big a step they're willing to take toward getting bigger. Because it's not enough to just say, well, we're going to go add, you know, such and such presence for the third line or the fourth line, or this guy's really a tough guy and everybody's kind of scared of him and this will reduce some of the problems that we have. I don't think that's it. I don't think that's it. When I think of teams getting bigger, I think of teams doing it the way St. Louis did. I think of teams doing it the way Tampa has done. Tampa's probably even a, a, a better example to use in this sense because Tampa would add guys 
who were skilled and fast and whatever else, but also just made the lightning bigger. And I understand that's not as simple as snapping your fingers and, and wishing for it. But that was the approach that was taken there. No one with the lightning bolts at any point said, man, we've got to really get bigger with this roster. It just kind of happened. They just gradually bulked up. They made their priorities include adding size. If the Penguins wanted to just get bigger, you could say, well, all right, we're, we're going to give Anthony Angelo a real chance. We're going to let Sam Lafferty play another 50 games and score zero goals. Um, but that's not really doing anything. It's not achieving anything. It's not making your hockey team better. Think of this. Think of when you're watching the Penguins play the Islanders and you're being critical of Jason Zucker or Kasperi Kapanen or Jared McCann. And I'm sure you were. I, I know I was at different points. And you're saying, man, those guys, they got to score. they got to score. This team needs more scoring. Well, now picture replacing one or more of those guys, or if you really want to go off the charts, replacing Jake Gensel or Brian Rust with some bigger dude. Whoever that is has to be able to score. Because for everything else that went wrong for the Penguins in that playoff series, chiefly the goaltending, again, I'm going to keep saying that again and again and again, and you're going to hear it from me for months, but the other issue was that they just didn't score enough. Their stars didn't score. And if your stars aren't scoring, your supporting cast needs to score. And if your supporting cast can't score, meaning you added a bunch of big dudes who can't score, then you're not exactly progressing as a playoff-type roster. And that swings me back to the original point, which is send Flowers to the Carter household. This portion of Daily Shot of Penguins is brought to you by Fubo TV. Monthly cost of cables over two hundred bucks. Fubo TV is just sixty-five bucks a month to watch all the same channels, including AT and T, Sportsnet, Pittsburgh. There's no such thing as installation because it's just a web thing. It comes with free DVR, no contracts, cancel anytime, and right now. For listening to this show, Fubo TV is offering our listeners a seven-day free trial and 15% off your first month by going to FuboTV.com slash DK. One more time, you get 15% off your first month by going to FuboTV.com slash DK. Carter is the answer. The acquisition of Carter solved so many more issues than I'll bet even Hextall could have dreamed of when he acquired him. He was a right-handed shot on draws, including penalty-killing draws, and he was pretty good at it at a time when the rest of the team's centers were getting cleaned by the Islanders. He also was a tall, commanding presence through center ice, 
against an opponent that takes a lot of pride in being able to defend between the blue lines. He was able to utilize his speed in ways that I don't know that anyone could have envisioned out of a 36-year-old. I mean, I still can picture right in front of the press box where I was sitting at Nassau Coliseum, him blowing around Anthony Bavillier, who can really fly, by the way. And which one of these two is the old man, you'd never know. And then never mind that going in and just so easily beating Ilya Sorokin. He was available for shots, made himself available, presented a passing target for his wingers. And then you know what else he did, this crazy thing? He took shots. He shot the puck. He shot it a lot. And you know what else he did when he shot the puck? He shot it on net. He didn't miss the net the way the Penguins as a team did 42 freaking times over the final two games of those playoffs. 42 misses because everyone's trying to pick this or pick that or getting weirded out by this run-of-the-mill rookie goaltender. I'm sorry. I, I know everybody built up Sorokin into being something that he wasn't in that series, and you're going to continue seeing that in the Islander series with Boston that he wasn't and won't be anything special. Carter was. Carter's got to come back. Carter's got one more year on his contract. And on top of everything else that I've just given you here, he's eminently cap-friendly. $2.66 million. That's it. That's it because of the amount that the Kings ate themselves in the trade. $2.66 million. So when Carter spoke with us at Nassau Coliseum after the game, this line right here should have sent a shudder through every soul associated with the Pittsburgh Penguins. Um, you know, I've really enjoyed my time here. Uh, it's a great group of guys, and I think, uh, you know, up and down the lineup, uh, it's a team that that can definitely can compete for the Stanley Cup. Um, the hunger is still in that room, um, you know, and that comes from from the top guys. Those guys want to win. Uh, they want to go out. They want to get back to the top, and uh, um, you, and you can see that. Um, you know, it's it's you know, there's some really disappointed guys in that room. Uh, you know, this year was uh, was a really good opportunity for this group, and uh, unfortunately, we uh, we came up short here. Yeah, past tense. Ouch. All I know is that if I'm Hextall, Brian Burke, Ron Burkle, Mario Lemieux, heck, let's take it back into the locker room. Mike Sullivan, the assistants, Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin, Chris Letang, I am all over Carter to come back. They used to do this with Matt Cullen, remember? Only Cully was 41, 42 years old. A little different scenario. I am all over this guy because what he brings to the Penguins is something they do not have and they cannot afford to be without. Not for this next season. 
You're going to have the core back for another year. You're going to take the approach that this is another year in which we, the Penguins, are going to contend for the Stanley Cup. As such, you cannot lose this player. I'm not sure what all that would entail. I don't know if that's something where the Penguins and Carter would have to work out some kind of, I don't know, extension or whatever, or maybe it would be done without money. I don't know. I don't know. I do know this. That player is not coming up through the Penguin system. That player is not routinely acquired from some other team. That player was here and, as you just heard, enjoyed his time and fit right in. He has to come back. I don't care what it takes, at least not in the intangible sense. When you start talking about money and cap hits and other things like that, it's a different discussion. But as far as trying and convincing him, flowers. Send flowers. Just do that. Send flowers. Send flowers to the entire Carter family, all of his friends, his mailman, his milkman. Send lots and lots of flowers. When we come back, just one question. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Welcome back. It's time for Just One Question, and that's brought to you always on Daily Shot of Penguins by the Greater Pittsburgh Community Food Bank. Our friends at the Food Bank are committed to providing for all of our neighbors in need across western Pennsylvania. Anyone who doesn't know where their next meal is coming from can know with confidence that the Food Bank is there to help. In turn, they need your help. Go to pittsburghfoodbank.org to find out how you can make a difference, to find out how $1 from you is all it takes to produce five full meals. One buck. Five meals. Do the math and be generous. pittsburghfoodbank.org. Question comes from T. Collins, who says, do you think that Mike Sullivan's style when he came in was influenced by his familiarity at the time with all the Wilkes-Barre Scranton call-ups who had to take on full-time roles who also happened to be speed guys like Rust, Sherry, and Gensel. Um, no. <laughs> I don't. I don't. Uh, the first thought that I had when I read your question is Taylor Haas, who covers the Penguins for us at DK Pittsburgh Sports, uh, she really cringes at any mention of Sullivan's time in Wilkes-Barre as having been influential on his coaching career because he was like there for a month and a half. He wasn't there for very long. And yet you hear that a lot, that, oh, he played favorites with these guys or he was influenced by this or that or whatever. 
Mike Sullivan was 10 years under John Tortorella. 10 years under Tortorella, of all powerful personalities with other teams and in other roles. And yet, it's that month and a half that he spent in Northeast Pennsylvania that gets cited more often than anything else in his background by a lot of Penguins fans. No, I don't think Sullivan's style was influenced in the slightest uh, by A, his time in the Wilkes-Barre, or the nature of the people who came up. When you get right down to it, the players who came up at that time, and Jake wasn't part of that group. You mentioned Jake. Uh, it was Brian Rust, Connor Sheary, Tom Kuhnhackle, and Scott Wilson. And out of that group, two of them, and only two of them could be described as fast skaters, and that would be Rust and Sherry. The other two actually were not fast at all. And actually, Jake's not. He came along the next year, but Jake's not the the fastest guy under the sun either. Certainly not in terms of straight line speed. And Jake's a smaller guy with a lot of skills. Maybe people think that he's smaller, he must be super fast. He's not. He's not. Sullivan and his belief in speed fueling his system was founded a long, long time ago. It's not something that he developed in Pittsburgh. It's not something where he adjusted to the talent at hand, uh, notably the superstars at hand. He has always believed, and I know this because he and I have had discussions on this, he has always believed in owning the hockey puck. That's where everything starts with him. If we have the puck, there's a way better chance of good things happening than if we don't. So all of his emphasis, including stuff that I'm sure that he has adjusted over time, comes from that simple principle. When you're forechecking, make sure you have multiple sticks there because we need to get the puck. Once we do have the puck, make sure you do something smart with it because we need the puck. When you're in the defensive zone, make sure that you're filling the middle of the rink and you're keeping the puck from going to dangerous areas. But once we get it, don't just throw it away. Don't just flip it out of the zone. Get it to a teammate. Move in a pack because we need the puck. Oh, this, this goes all over the rink. I could do this for the next half hour in all kinds of different situations, but that's always been his thing, is that we need the puck. We have to have the puck. And within that, he sees fast players as the gateway for that because fast players are going to get on that puck faster. If you're a fast, smart player, you're going to get there fast, and then you're going to do something with it that ensures that you keep the puck. People used to ask why he loved Dominic Simone. That, that was it. Dom couldn't score to save his life. But Dom got to the puck, and once he got there, he'd make a really smart play with it. Just couldn't shoot. Actually, didn't even really care that much about shooting. Kind of a strange situation with Dom. But that was why, and that was why Dom would also do really well in all of those advanced analytics, the Corsi 4, and all the other uh, 
rate measures of how you're creating shot attempts compared to your opponent. Penguins have a lot of those. Penguins got a lot of that done against the Islanders. They dominated the Islanders in those respects. They didn't finish. Mostly, I think, because they were trying to pick corners, but also because Ilya Sorokin did play over his head. And the Islanders finished almost at will. That's really it. That's really it. I'm not sure where you were headed with this. If it was a if it was a criticism, you didn't get a whole lot clearer or elaborate on this. But this coach didn't lose this series. All a coach can do is set a team up to succeed. And the Penguins and all their shot attempts and everything else that they generated, they were in a position to succeed. They could have done it either through scoring more finishing more of those chances or by having anything other than catastrophic level goaltending. I appreciate the question. I appreciate everybody listening to Daily Shot of Penguins. We'll do another one of these tomorrow. University in the heart of downtown Pittsburgh, they understand there's no substitute for real-world experience and career-building connections. Their innovative curriculum engages students with distinctive experiential learning opportunities. Point Park's pioneering co-op program empowers qualified students to work in full-time, paid positions with their corporate partners while earning college credits. Visit pointpark.edu works to learn more. Career ready. That's the point. Point Park University. Your front door, your car, your gym locker, your gun. Safety is a habit. Learn more about how to keep guns safe and secure. Visit projectchildsafe.org.